Aloha, Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter. And Jason Verkard. Very special episode of the Solar Coaster this week. Spanned uh, our entire show, basically, with Maui Electric folks. Absolutely. And we're going to get to them immediately right after this commercial break. Welcome to this week's Pantech Design Minute. Today's focus is the remarkable Lutron Shading System. Pantech Designs Adapt seamlessly integrates the Lutron Shading System to your energy smart home. There are four things to consider when looking at this shading technology. Number one, elegance and ambiance. Lutron controls are designed to look and work beautifully. Stylish control and fabric options coupled with innovative technology elegantly transition a space to create the right amount of light for any activity. Number two, convenience. Managing daylight is not restricted to a single wall station in your home. Shading systems can be controlled using a myriad of controls or set to an astronomic time clock for automatic adjustment of shades. Three, saving energy. Utilize your shading system to save additional energy beyond routine use of shades. Morning warm opens the shades, taking advantage of sunlight and helping to take the chill off your upcountry mornings. Afternoon cool does the opposite by lowering shades and blocking solar heat gain, thereby reducing your cooling costs. Number four, safety and security. Utilize a whole home shading system for simultaneous control of all shades. By setting a predetermined scene for Away, simply select this button when leaving to close all shades and restrict the view inside your home. This has been the Pantech Design Minute. Visit PantechDesign.com to learn more. LG is a leader in the home electronics industry and manufactures some of the most popular PV panels as well as many other appliances we've come to know and appreciate over the years. The same LG brand offers the LG Chem Rezu battery line for your home energy storage needs. Here in Hawaii, their primary model is the LG 10H Rezu with 9.3 kilowatt hours of usable capacity. The LG 10H Rezu can be used both to maximize consumption of solar energy at home and also functions as a source of backup power in the event that the grid goes down. LG Chem has increased production of their battery line for Hawaii's renewable energy solar market. Contact your local solar provider to learn more about the LG Chem 10H Resu battery. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system, combined photovoltaic and thermal, holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. Okay, those were our wonderful sponsors. Thank you so much for keeping the solar coaster on air. Keeping us on the tracks. Love you guys. Thank so you. we're here. Uh, this is this is a show, uh, the third show we've done with you wonderful folks from Maui Electric. Uh, we've got some great guests in the studio today. Uh, we have Mr. Gregory Kresge. Uh, what is your title now? What are you doing? <laughs> Manager of Renewable Energy Projects. Manager okay. of Renewable Energy Projects. Yeah, I think that's changed. Okay. Yep. And then <laughs> we have uh, Chris Reynolds. Say hello. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Director of System Operations. Okay. There you go. A little closer. And over there uh, across the desk is Shana Decker. Hello. Aloha, Shana. Excellent. So really fortunate to have uh, you find folks here in the studio with us today. It's kind of an exciting time in the industry. There's really awesome seismic shifts happening, I think. Could I say that? Would you agree with me? Would you disagree with me? Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I'd agree. Right? It's huge. <laughs> and, and so, you know, we've um, uh, it's a nice opportunity to kind of take a step back and look at, you know, where we've come from mm-hmm. uh, in the state of Hawaii, but also Maui. And then um, and focus in on Maui and then talk about what's happening in the upcoming week. There's a forum, right, uh, on the 26th, and we're going to get a chance to talk a little bit about that, uh, the 100% Renewable Energy Forum. Um, and then, uh, you know, get a sense for kind of where we've come from, where we're going, how we're going to get there, and kind of communicate that to the, uh, the, the public about what's happening here. So that was a text from Doug McLeod, former Renewable Energy Commissioner, saying he can't make it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, why don't we start off? Shay, you want to um, give a sense for this background here? Oh, okay, I guess I'm taking it. So <laughs> now I have it. Okay, yes. <laughs> um, no, in, in past shows, we've had a couple shows with you before. Uh, 
last year, episode 47, we had Sharon and Greg on the show here. Episode 61, we toured around Molokai to get a sense of what a really a large amount of solar would do to an electric grid. Any any intermittent energy resource can, can have a serious effect on a power grid, and we learned a lot about that. We watched huge changes recently as uh, Sharon has taken all over all the Outer Island HEI companies, uh, witnessed a lot of new programs come down, uh, new financing options from Gwen, HGIA, uh, and uh, Mr. Kealoha from Hawaii Energy also uh, came in here and talked a lot about that. So there's just so many options and there's so much going on in the space. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on and doing that. Uh, in, an, in an effort to understand where we're going, though, we really thought it would be beneficial to take a quick look back, a deep look at where we've been. Um, there's always been some renewable energies here. I mean, even early in the early days, because because it makes sense, uh, there's a whole lot of solar energy. People have been playing with it. We've had the hot water mandate for construction. Um, but in uh, June of 2015, Governor Ige set down a mandate, signed into law, 100% renewables by 2045. That's a hell of a goal. It really is. First law, first uh, mandate signed into law by any U.S. state, extremely aggressive, and then there were some years of experimentation. We went through NEM. Uh, we've set up some backfeeding utility scale projects here and some really wacky, unique technologies that you introduced us <laughs> to that were deployed throughout the islands in an effort to learn how we can create this 100% renewable grid. It's, it's basically something that has never been done before. So during that time, solar has become much cheaper. Wind has been deployed. We understand that a whole lot more. And battery storage that simply didn't exist a few years ago mm-hmm. is now widely available. Uh, we've seen the first round of RFPs, requests for proposals go out, been awarded uh, and, and by some really forward-thinking companies who are willing to invest in Hawaii, which is excellent. Um, and moving forward to keep in an effort to keep the, uh, the tech approachable and understandable, we're going to be playing a game uh, called the Megawatt and House Count Game. So we're going to try. We Both Josh and I had this conversation. Uh, it doesn't necessarily work, but if you have a good sense of how much a megawatt works or how much these, each of these installs can kind of support in the community, I think it's beneficial to kind of help people understand where we are and percentages are great too where we are in percentages so whatever we can do to conceptualize like we were just saying a moment ago so if it's number of houses per megawatt because we're going to say kilowatt megawatt gigawatt maybe even (laughs) right uh (laughs) in the show so if we can help kind of uh, our listeners contextualize what that means that would be super helpful and perhaps that's challenging for whatever reason so we can talk about that right um so yeah i mean let's uh let's if we look back to that mandate you know, where are we at right now? How do we get to this stage? What are some of the big moves in renewables, uh, let's say in Maui, and kind of focus in on Maui? Um, we have a couple of utility-scale pro- uh, projects that are already in and working. What, tell us a little bit about those. In the, in the past are. four years, yeah. basically. So you want to take happened. a stab at it, Chris? Sure. Or you want to take a stab at it? <laughs> I can, I can take ahead. it. I'll take a first step. So um, we have a, a whole bunch of things going on at the same time, and we've we've had some attrition as well. Okay, so we had renewable projects that have fallen off. So, for example, we had HCNS, right? That was a biomass facility that was at one point was supplying 18 megawatts of electricity. Um, that project is no longer, you know, it's not producing energy any longer. So when when we were accepting energy from that that was actually had added to our renewable energy percentage and it was a really good form of energy because it was very stable and firm right Mm -hmm. it was able to provide megawatts on demand as we needed them um, rather than when and when we talk about types of energy we're talking about intermittent or variable energy which is you take it as you get it such as for example wind or solar Right when the sun is shining, you're producing energy. When the sun's not shining, you're not producing energy. Intermittent variable. It's there for potentially 10 to 12 hours a day if if we're lucky, 12 hours a day. So then, then on the other side, you have firm or dispatchable energy, which is we press a button, we need though that energy, we get it right then and now. So, so we're seeing a whole bunch of different things happening at the same time. So, like you said, Jay, we're We've taken off on net energy metering. That really was the impetus to to see the the PV, the photovoltaic, solar, you know, um, movement forward and really incentivize the market to to move. Now that has been phased out because it's not sustainable to have everybody 
make retail rate who then pays retail rate for you know all the all the infrastructure everything else so that that was recognized by not only the utility but also by the public utilities commission that said okay we need to move to different models now <clears throat> a lot can, of people can I, can I ask you a question there yeah so just um that nam net energy metering yeah. uh, program that we had yeah uh, is that from 2006 to maybe 2015 or was that about the rough of the years i'm trying to i want to say it's a little bit later than that but maybe 2007 8, Seven, eight yeah. to 15 okay yeah. so you have that kind of time period yeah how many systems uh or what what's how what impact did that nam uh, shall we say, kind of initial, uh, you know, uh, towing the waters of renewable energies for Maui for, for rooftop solar. What, what kind of impact did that have on our on, on Maui in terms of offset or percentage or in terms of well, so I don't, we're deployed I, I, I don't know the, the exact numbers off the top of my head, but, you know, looking back at adoption rates and installation rates, we've also seen a huge it, because there's a whole bunch of things that came into play yeah. in the beginning solar panels were not as cheap as they are now mm-hmm. so you didn't have a ton of people moving forward with mm-hmm. pv installations because it was still pretty costly and the technology what the, the panels were not as efficient as they are now and you had to install more panels and you know that sort of thing you guys know that being in this in the solar industry but so so in the beginning we saw you know definitely some growth and we saw those people who could afford those more expensive systems they adopted very quickly so we saw some growth but then every year after that like as we went into you know 2010 11 12 we saw basically doubling if not more exponential growth of the of the pv market so i remember you know i think about it was like about five years ago we were at 50 megawatts of of installed pv we're now double that at 105 megawatts of installed photovoltaic. So you look at that that progress in five years, and you go, you say, wow, that's a that's a huge improvement. And a lot of things, Jay, like you said, have brought that, you know, to play, which is lower costs on panels. There's now batteries available. There's other programs that are available. Um, there's the tax incentives still. Um, you know, things like that that are still adding to and that the fact that our energy is still um you know it's a we still pay a a pretty high price for energy right so the return on investment is still there so you have those rooftop programs but now we've implemented some other programs where we've actually put in more utility scale uh, formed agreements purchase power agreements which we don't own the utility scale systems at this point. The the utility scale systems that are on the grid right now are owned by third parties or what we call independent power producers. Those and then the contract that that we buy the energy under is called a purchase power agreement. So those IPP and PPA, those two things go together. So for example, the wind farms, we have three of them on the island. Those, uh, you know, when those came on, it dropped the price of energy um, that we would, we could get from renewable. And there, you know, we have uh, 72 megawatts of, of wind energy right now. So, um, and there are times in the middle of the day when we're producing 80% renewable energy. I saw that. We have a, yeah. a little infographic somewhere, <clears throat> and uh, we saw these peaks, mm-hmm. and there's peaks across the islands, and it's like in the 80s, which is pretty remarkable because at this stage of the game, we don't think, oh, wow, at certain moments, we're actually already 80, 85, 88% or something yeah. uh, peak power given the island, right? I think we're 80%. In yeah. that territory, yeah. right? So, um, yeah, that's pretty fascinating. So now, okay, so what I heard here was that rooftop played a, a really important role in getting things going. Mm-hmm. And we saw exponential growth in that. And a lot of early adopters, people that wanted to put it on their own homes or businesses, took advantage <laughs> of that program, yeah. right? And now, uh, more recently, we've moved into this kind of diversification of utility programs where uh, we have all these other great acronyms we can talk about, yeah. right? Rattle them off, but sounds almost like, you know, so CGS, CGS Plus, right? Smart Export, I'm not, Alphabet, still not CGS quite bad. sure. You're not, how to yeah. use all that stuff, but um, a, lot, a lot of great <clears throat> programs, so a lot of opportunity for those for for homeowners and businesses to continue to do that, right? Yeah. And that, that's really exciting. Now, let's let's we're we're really going to be kind of leaning more towards this discussion of the utility scale environment. Was it in 2018 that these two large solar systems were brought online? Can we talk a little bit about about those and about what impact they made uh, for in Mount to Mount? So I'll just talk on on the how they got in kind of installed. Part, and then Chris can take over from the from the operation side. So we those are under purchase power agreements. Um, they're two two point eight seven megawatt systems, 
at the time, you know, the, at the time, the interesting thing is that those were large projects. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 2.87 megawatts. That was huge. Now, is that the AC size? Is that so, the alternating current size or is that the DC size? Is that the panel? If you were to take the panels and multiply 300 yeah. watts per panel per... It's the AC size. I think it's the AC size. Actually, it's the allowed export. Allowed yeah. export. Oh. So right. the systems yeah. are much AC. larger, right. but they, they have to be they've restricted their output to that particular size. I see. So they've got like four megs DC or something like that, or four yes. megs of cap- yeah. capacity. It's much higher on the DC side. Right. And then as they're exporting, they want to maintain that solid 2.87 megawatts, so... Gotcha. Kind of oversize their system a little bit. And is that 2.87 a, a policy-driven decision? Does it have to do with bidding and things of that nature? <clears throat> yeah, the 2.87? Yeah. yeah. That was what they were allowed to bid in at. Yeah. Okay, okay. So yeah. that was the size that was required. Yeah. So you got these two systems uh, that are, and they're non-storage systems, right? They're, that's yes. correct. Yeah. So we take the energy as it's, as it's made. Right. Yeah, okay. as it's produced. Okay, and that was kind of the dawn of <clears throat> utility scale in Maui, right? Yeah. Yep. Prior to that, we had had maybe some FITS or some SIA, standard From, interconnection agreements. From photovoltaic. Photovoltaic. We've had yep. utility scale with wind. wind. Okay, right. Yeah. Or gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, and we've had some relatively large, like, feed-in tariff and, you know, those sorts of things on the PV side, on the photovoltaic side. Right. Larger than your household, in addition to some... Uh, standard interconnection agreement, ones that are, say, on businesses that have large rooftops, like a hotel, like Costco, like the Costco, carport at, or the carport at, at um, college, at the college. college. Right. Yeah. OK, gotcha. So you got these kind of large, larger systems going in over the years that are right. basically uh, reducing load for these big businesses, yes. big institutions. Uh, you know, and then now we've got um, these big utility scale uh, systems that are going in, which are about. You know, 2.87 continuous power. Is that what you said? Continuous that That's their allowed output. Allowed output. Thanks yes. for the language. Okay. So, so just so that we can make it clear for the for the listeners, when we talk load, we mean, you know, the load is the demand from the utility by the customers or by the by the population, right? So if we're, you know, or it's, or it's by the business. So when you say they're offsetting their load, it means, let's say they have a peak usage of one megawatt and maybe install a 600 kW system, um, that means they're going to offset their own electrical usage, their load first. Right. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So I think that's helpful for people to understand. So, um, okay. So you got these two big utility scale projects. One Mm -hmm. is in West Maui, right? Yeah. Yes. And then one's over in Kihei. Yeah. What are the names of those? I have them here somewhere. What are they called? Kuya and SMRR. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Can you say that again, please? Kuya. Kuya? Yeah, and SMRR. SMRR. South Maui Renewable Resources. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So then that, that kind of begins, the at least from a solar perspective, the utility-scale size plans for Maui. So that was kind of historic in 2018, right? What kind of impact did that make? What did that do for the county? Basically, for the size of our system, they're still relatively small. So when you're talking of trying to meet, meet a customer load of, of 120 or 150 megawatts when you have 2.8 at each facility it's it's not a lot but it's a first step so okay so it was kind of a, a an initial but small percentage kind of uh, a step right right <clears throat> so i want to just I, I also want to introduce something that's really important to all this because a lot of people think oh there's this installed capacity meaning the the possible production for the system but you have cloud cover come over and it wipes out 80% of the production. So then at that point, you're down to 20%. So this fluctuating makes it very difficult yeah. for Chris on the system because you can have that happen in a matter of seconds. You can have it happen in over a period of 10 to 15 seconds where you see this huge fluctuation. And, and, when you're, and part of the reason why all these future systems going forward have these battery components to them is because we really need we, the, the amount of large fluctuation on the on the grid we really need to start limiting that because that's what happens with rooftop pv it's the same thing you somebody producing in haiku is producing different output than in than in lahaina or uh you know upcountry or or kihei so you've got these different pockets all over the place and i think what people need to understand is that even though your system may the capacity may be seven kilowatts which is kind of typical for a rooftop PV system, 
it's very possible that depending on where you live, your output might only be typically four kilowatts. So that's a that is one of those variables that we really have to deal with on on the balancing side is because just because you have seven kW installed doesn't mean it's going to be putting out seven kW all the time. You've got to account for that fluctuation. In you know, this is really fascinating, Chris, and I want to ask <clears> you a question about this because when we had uh, Jay our, our show uh, regarding Molokai, mm-hmm. the uh, I think it really became more clear to us uh, the challenges you were facing, and it was super helpful because you have a very relatively small grid, right? Yes. So then, when you talk about the the, the, the island and the nature of the of energy, it started to look like we could kind of understand what you were talking about. It wasn't this kind of, you know, uh, really up in the air kind of thing. It was like, okay, we understand the scale of this. And you mentioned spinning reserve and the necessity to keep uh, the ability to create power on a lot, right, mm-hmm. in order to deal with those fluctuations. And I started to think about your job, and I thought, what a tough job this guy has. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to walk in. Why, why did you do this? Thing? <laughs> yeah. What is his day like? I actually had a lot of questions emerge afterwards. Uh, you mean, do you do you do you do you check the weather and go, oh my goodness, what's happening? And then do you try to predictively kind of model it, and do you figure out your? Well, we talked your about needs? software that does that. I mean, yeah. Yes. Did you have those so, packages? Uh, <laughs> actually, we do have load forecasting. Oh, well. functions okay. built into our energy management system for the island of Maui. I think one of the important things about a lot of this PV that's going on in homes and businesses is it's really spread across the island of Maui. Mm-hmm. So more importantly is that we have that geographic diversity of resources. So the cloud that passes over Kihei and drops their production doesn't affect the PVs in Lahaina or in Kalalui or Wailuku. And, and as you know, the day moves on, you start seeing Wailuku engulfed in kind of a shadow from the way. Right. That shadow doesn't affect the rest of the system. So having this, these small, diverse systems that across the it island, Does that it, level it, it helps mitigate those ramping, ramping events or the, the, the swinging up and down of these PV productions. So more importantly, so when we're going to these new utility-scale um, I don't know, projects, projects, projects for yeah. PV that include batteries. Yeah. So when you have a cloud pass over a 60 megawatt PV mm-hmm. farm, Jeez. that would be a huge dip if the battery wasn't there to help mitigate that. Mm-hmm. Let's okay, okay. Um, okay. So this is great because that gives us a re- the opportunity to start to think about storage and talk about how these new RFPs are going to interact differently. But let me ask you one thing before we get there. Let's do the let's do the house count game. Okay. So what is a me- <laughs> what is a megawatt? Oh, no. What is a megawatt or a megawatt or however you want to frame it for our listeners? Give us a sense of all these uh, metrics that we're using. You just mentioned sixty. We could take one for example. Uh, maybe let's let's take. One of those big solar farms, because we're all talking about those. We've kind of been around for about a year. We kind of get a sense for them. So it's about, is it about 4 megawatts of capacity and about 2.87 of, what did you say again? <laughs> uh, continued export. Deliverable export. Allowed export. Yeah. Allowed export. Allowed yeah. export. These, yeah. uh, how many houses does that supply? Can, we, can so, I ask you that question? <laughs> yes. Actually, I can help you because if you look at our service going feeding Makawao, Haiku, Hoelo, all the way out to the end in Hana, that can vary between four to six megawatts. Okay. So basically, mm-hmm. we can, four to six megawatts cover an entire upcountry. Makawao and out to east, east Hana. So Nakula. Na, no, Kula is fed differently. Okay, so Makawao. Yeah. Makawao, Haiku, Haiku. Going all the way Uelo. out to Hana. Yep. Okay, and I all the way out to Hana. Yep. That's, it can vary between four and six megawatts. Okay. Anybody know how many houses are out there? You can Anybody? talk about maybe 6,000. Okay. 6,000 homes and businesses. That's great. Okay. So we just heard that. So six, correct me if I'm wrong here, I heard you say six megawatts? Yeah, it, it can vary. You know, time of day and right. usage, it can go up and down four to six megawatts. Four to six megawatts, so maybe a little bit larger than one of those solar farms in terms of its, well, I guess, output, right? Yes. But... You're talking about all of Makawa, all the way through Hana, about 6,000 homes being serviced between 4 and 6 megawatts. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that sounds like 1,000 homes per megawatt. Did I just hear that? Did, did you just win? <laughs> <laughs> we were arguing about this this morning. <laughs> Want to say that again? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, that you won, yes. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, so that, but just ballpark. There's a lot of reasons why we can't kind of hone in on that, and no one's going to check that. I mean, it's just – it's interesting. When you Google it, 
people start arguing with each other and talking about all the different uh, parameters that affect that, right? Yeah. That, yeah. But if we're just trying to contextualize it and understand, hey, what kind of power does, what does a megawatt mean? Well, it means yeah. it powers, roughly speaking, about a thousand houses, depending on how you use energy and a variety of other things, yeah. right? Fantastic. Thank you for answering the question. So um, now moving forward, now we, 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 we just came out of this uh, process where we had a very fast uh, uh, RFP process for larger utility scale solar systems across Hawaii. Thank you. And, um, <laughs> and Can I have one of those? <laughs> no, you got to win a bet. And so... And and um, those and this was kind of unprecedented, as I understand it. This was a precedent-setting RFP for Hawaii, certainly, but even across the country, people were watching this and saying, "Whoa!" In terms of solar plus storage, uh, what was achieved in the pricing uh, was kind of precedent-setting. Would you agree with that? Yeah. 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 Okay. So tell us about this. Is that RFP phase one that is yet to be built, but has been awarded and PUC approved for the most part? Uh, well, so there's one we've we've received approval for one PPA here on Maui. Maui. Yeah. So there's one that's been approved. There's one that still hasn't received approval, but is has is still going through the process. Gotcha. Yeah. And okay, yeah. And the, so that's the and there's two of them. We know what they are. Yeah. So there's yeah. There's yeah. a 15 meg yeah. up there, and then there's a 60 meg, right? Yeah. Yes. So um, but that's our that that right there is. A, w- let's assume they both get installed uh, okay. and. That happens over, I'm going to say, maybe a three- or four-year build timeline. Does that sound about right to you? Sooner. I yeah, hope. sooner. Yeah, I think the idea is, is that it's supposed to be in yeah, it's supposed to be yeah. 2022? 18 yeah. months. 18 months? So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Good yeah. to you. There you go. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we got a couple of years, I think years, the thinking maybe? is what, end of 2020, right? Okay. So um, what kind of impact will that have? Uh, on our grid, from whatever perspective we want to, uh, I mean, it's, it's a share. significant number. <laughs> I am super excited, personally. I, I am from yeah. a from a system standpoint. I, th- I think having that flexibility with renewable energy could drastically reduce our fossil fuel consumption, um, cut down the the expense of running the diesel generators, and and basically, and is a a result of lower utility bills for all customers. Including myself, right? Yeah. Wow. So, so you 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 feel like we're we're, we're going to see lower utility bills potentially? I I, I I mean that was the whole point of this of uh, of moving away moving away from because you know the 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 price of of diesel fuel is is going to escalate. Mm-hmm. So the idea was to be to go ahead and uh, procure energy at a lower cost and being renewable. I mean it's just like a win on top of a win. Yeah. So here's a th- here's a thing I'm going to interject with this because this is this is the warning this is the warning which is yes w- we should expect especially time shifting energy and yes. offsetting the peak if we can reduce the fossil fuel consumption that's awesome which we're expecting that that's going to happen however there are going to be those days the Kona condition days that we are going to have to run every generator that we can possibly put online you know and potentially even call for people to, you know, cut back on their energy usage at the time when they need it the most, because that's when everybody turns on their air conditioner. There's no, the very little PV production. You've got cloud cover and very humid conditions, right? Mm -hmm. And so we still have to have this generation available to be able to serve that need in that time, because we get a couple weeks a year, typically, when we get some of those conditions, you know, really cloudy, rainy, Conditions um, that don't that where we see PV production just plummet, and we don't have wind, right? Yeah, I get that. So, yeah. Also, want to add that these facilities also need to do maintenance, and yeah. they can't just do maintenance at nighttime and then be available for the daytime. So there are shutdowns. They're going to they're going to have nature. to have scheduled shutdowns to do a lot of their maintenance. Okay, okay. All that being said, yeah. completely get it. We're going to have to continue to uh, buy fossil fuels in order to be there for our, with our reserve, right, for a while, right? And uh, so there's some great ideas in the future, but in the next 18 months when these get built, that's still going to be a concern. And then uh, we're going to have to have periodic shutdowns in order to clean them and all that. So all that makes perfect sense to me. Now, uh, but for, for a homeowner at home that's going – I think that oh, – anybody, a citizen – I think that there are three primary areas that people are thinking about with renewables. And mm-hmm. make me, call me a liar if I'm wrong here. One – Save money. I think that's a big one. Yep. Uh, and it has been traditionally a big one because they saw 
you know, auntie's got one and whoo, she saved a lot of money and I can save money with solar, right? So am I going to save money? Uh, two, I think there's the notion of, um, of resilience and protection and energy independence. I'm not rank ordering these, by the way. Mm-hmm. And three, uh, probably a carbon offset. And what is our country? What is our, what are we doing as a society differently than maybe other parts of the world? And how can we kind of, you know, shine a bit of a light forward and perhaps even, you know, uh, be an uh, example. Be an example. And akin to our past here, we got a community that was completely sustainable and had a circular economy, uh, what a thousand years ago or something like that. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think I think you know one of the things that I've seen I having come from environmental, right? And I used to do the air permitting and air, you know, um, monitoring and all the environmental programs for our generating facilities um, on Molokai, Maui, and Lanai. Um, it used to be very accepted that carbon dioxide was your was was an allowable emission, right? And, and now at this point, when we're looking at, at um, greenhouse gas effects and trying to reduce carbon emissions, now it's not so acceptable anymore, right? We're right. trying to reduce the CO2 that goes into the atmosphere. That's a whole different ballgame. And when you have combustion, you're going to have that, unless you put in some really expensive equipment to be able to scrub that CO2 um, or capture it in some way. So that's another, you know, twist that has just happened very, very recently, um, you know, the emphasis on that. Right? You know, it's, what I, and I, to- I completely get it. One of the things <clears throat> Jay and I talk a lot about is how uh, Governor Ige's 100% renewable mandate in, in 2015 forward that this started to kind of almost create a little brush fire of similar types of mandates across the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then almost a bit of a game of up, one-upsmanship, which I think is what a great competition, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And, and really serious ones. And then we started to see uh, uh, additions to the language, not just 100% renewables, and not by 2045, but now it's by 2040, or it's New York, or it's, you know, the, the, you know, it's D.C., or it's whichever. A lot of them, I can't even track them anymore. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, carbon-free started to yeah. come in the language yeah. of that one-upsmanship. So it seems like it's, it's, it's moving and then a really kind of exciting – it's a really exciting competition. You know? and, and I can't remember who said that to us the other day, but they said, oh, what a great competition. That's not my language, right? Um, so, okay. So we have, we have 100% renewable energy mandate. doesn't necessarily reference the carbon offset, although I'm sure that's a, you know, a, a component of the conversation – um, you know, what I wanted to say with those three kind of priorities that I think people have in their minds is that, you know, which ones of these are being impacted? And I'm sure price, you mentioned, we may see lower bills, right? Uh, what about resiliency? Are we, are we safer because of this? I mean, what types of impacts is this going to have on our community? I think there would be degrees of it. So our ability to use renewable energy generated on island reduces our dependency on the harbor being open and accepting Outside resources, Check fuel, oil, out. diesel. That's a big one. Check sure. that out. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, if we have less consumption, we don't need to have as no. many. So it's not a strain on our existing yeah. uh, resources, our infrastructure. Our infrastructure is less yeah. strained. Yes. Yeah. Hadn't thought about that. And, you know, the other thing, too, is at least for my staff, when, you're, when we're processing applications, and if you called as a customer and said, what's the best situation for me? You know, of course, we, we look at, you know, what's your bill, where are you at, what sort of program might be available, what's going to be, you know, what's mo- most important to you. Is it time or or the actual program? You know, some of them have a higher payback than others. Some of them don't pay back at all but allow you to be able to have expedited review. You know, but more and more what we're seeing, the applications that are being submitted now our applications with battery storage. Now, yep. some of those batteries, some of some of that battery storage is direct offset of their own energy, um, you know, for when they need it. Some of it is for emergency backup. It just really depends. But we're seeing more and more and more of these battery systems. So that's adding to the resilience, right? Because that means that we have less load to also meet in the time in times of. So need. what I, what I just heard is that it uh, these. What I understand presently, and I was sitting down with a couple of different manufacturers in the last week uh, that are out here, you know, loving participating in this vanguard market that is Hawaii, the renewable energy mm-hmm. space that's kind of, you know, pretty uh, forward looking and doing things differently. Um, that something like 80% of these residential solar systems that are being pulled, permit pulls, 
incorporate storage. Mm-hmm. That seems to be what it, the language in the marketplace is. That's uh, that's uh, can you, you confirm know, that? many multiples over. I the, would uh, say probably about now. That's about that's. Right. Yeah. I, I can't give you an exact number. Yeah. At this point, but yeah, that's pretty you much. Think, yeah. yeah. Just you basically know, the territory, yeah. and that's really neat because you know, well, and also the greatest benefit to you, right, as the consumer, is that if you are going to put PV on your roof, your photovoltaic or solar, that you offsetting retail credit or retail cost of energy is going to be more beneficial than you getting a lesser payback, you know, sure. maybe through sure. another program. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. I'd also want to add that a lot of this, you know, is really spurring on this kind of a, a driving new products to market. Mm-hmm. Things that were really not available even two, three years ago yeah. are all kind of servicing and coming more. I think it's really spurring on innovation from a lot of the manufacturers. Totally, yes. Just from even battery manufacturers, car manufacturers, um, even on the part where, you know, before it was people really focusing on energy conservation, everyone installing LED light bulbs, Mm -hmm. putting in the solar hot water heaters. But I think it's just kind of just gaining speed. And just like the adoption of PV, how it was exponential growth, I think I see that in the future for Especially yeah, for Maui. I completely agree. You know, some of the – I had some conversations the last couple of days with manufacturers, and Jay and I met a handful of great companies in Europe. We were at InterSolar in Munich, uh, what, about three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the innovations are mind-blowing. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about understanding in a post-NEM uh, uh, electrical grid environment uh, where there's, like, self-supply systems that are available, Right. Uh, and they're looking for ways to fully optimize the PV that is being put in. So, for example, maybe it's an electric vehicle, or maybe it's a uh, taking the extra load that you can't put into electric electrical storage and putting it into your hot water through mm-hmm. thermal linear, storage. Yeah, mm-hmm. thermal so, storage. So, so here's here's the other thing too that that you're going to be seeing in our integrated um, grid planning process too, uh, and grid modernization strategy, which is. There's, for example, we have two programs right now uh, with um, with the PV programs that have an aggregator component to it, to it, and the the whole purpose for that is if somebody comes in and can aggregate those those devices, that you can then provide some grid service, which okay. is you know mm-hmm. like that uh, virtual power plant. Yeah, I think we've we've met them. Yeah. <laughs> so this, so this, I'm really genuinely yeah. want to share this, sure, right? Sure. So yeah. um, we, Jay was we sitting in the desk. Privileged in, in. enough to go to Sonin headquarters. Uh-huh. I sat in the CEO's chair. <laughs> nice. And, and, but, and we could brag about that but, all day long. Yeah, We're not sure. going to do that. No, what we want to share is a case study that yeah. the managing director shared with us that yes. I don't know if it's even public yet. I don't think it is. Okay, so we'll definitely talk about it. <laughs> so off air. This was beautiful. And I really, and especially with you here, right? I really, okay. with Chris, I'm pointing at Chris. Yeah. Because um, it, it blew my mind to think that this was even possible. So here's what he told us, right? After Jay got caught sitting in the CEO's chair while they were out getting waters, and he's going there taking pictures, in walks the managing director, Jean-Baptiste. Really nice guy young guy right probably i'm gonna say late 30s mm-hmm. right you know and um so he comes in and matthias matthias block the, P, the head of global pr mm-hmm. and so we're talking with him and we're actually focused in on maui focused in on molokai talked about y'all right mm-hmm. had a great conversation and they're like very very well informed about the work that's going on out here and then we focused back in on germany mm-hmm. and um so they said check this out this is what we're doing here so we're kind of like bragging about our individual respective areas we have 20 to forty thousand sonin systems deployed throughout germany right is it 25 i can't remember the number that's 28, I think, across okay. Germany and Italy, which was what the conversation was right. about. Right? And they're all mapped out, and you can see little dots just like you would on a you know Google map or mm-hmm. a Zillow thing with real estate and stuff. You can see all the different little sonins. And they go, here's the problem. We've got – have you heard the story yet? <laughs> we've, got, um, we've got offshore wind in the north, mm-hmm. off the coasts of northern Germany. Mm-hmm. And we are curtailing, right? The curtailing is a dirty word in the industry. Yeah. And we, For everybody, and, all we and we need that energy down in the south. Was it in Italy or southern Germany or Bavaria? Yeah. And they, and they go, but in order to get it, we got to put in a high voltage transmission lines, I guess. Yes. And a lot of NIMBYs out there, right? Not in my backyards on high voltage transmission lines. <clears throat> and costly and not great looking. And you know, Europe's a beautiful place. You see it running across Bavaria. Mm-hmm. No one wants that. So they go, what do we do? Well, we take our existing systems and we. You want to? You want to? Oh, sure. So what they're doing is they're charging the northern batteries and then slowly discharging them and rolling it across 
the nation oh. through standard like transmission to, through standard transmission lines. Yes, of course there are losses, yeah. but it would have been a hundred percent loss. And so they're actually t- able to take it, and they they've migrated that energy from that that wind farm out in the in the North Ocean, um, all the way down into Italy, wow. and it's just mind blowing. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that? I mean, so that's and when we think about virtual power planting and aggregators doing that kind of thing, they're actually a utility. They're doing that themselves because the way their grid the, operates, the, right? Yeah, the way that the German they're, utility structure is, they're yeah. allowed to do these things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this has been, pro- you know, I guess proven or shown to, be possible, shown to be possible, and they're employing blockchain, which is a great buzzword people love to say, blockchain, yep. yay. Yep. And uh, so that's an example, kind of a, a type of uh, versatility that these things can provide. I mean, you could probably do, and the re- this is leading up to this, you could probably do a lot of really cool stuff with an aggregator coming in and saying, hey, we're going to take 5,000 or 10,000 houses or whatever, whether we got about 71,000 utility account holders here, something like that. So, yeah. Just, yeah, just under 72,000. Mm-hmm. 70, okay, 72,000 ish. So if you were to take, you know, whatever, 10,000, um, what could you do with that? How would that, I mean, what would that look like? What is, what, what happens there? So I think it's important to discuss that there's an ebb and flow, right? Mm-hmm. So at one time you may need to have, and I like to give my favorite topic, electric vehicles, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, on, you know, managed charging, for example, mm-hmm. you, you have, you have a place to put that excess energy if you have excess energy. So it's not curtailed, sure. right? So then you, you basically start the charging. That energy goes into those batteries. Now, at peak period in the evening when we have the highest demand on the system, meaning that the most customers need the most amount of energy, then batteries are discharged, whether it's from the house or, or they go to offset their own load in the house. They're discharged to the house instead of from the grid, and then that provides room on on the grid, right? So it, it's this ebb and flow of – so I think a lot of people think of it as one-directional. It's actually – to get the most benefit, it's actually bidirectional or, you know, or potentially lateral. You know, it depends on, you know, what you're doing. But those kinds of decisions are being <clears throat> made by com- by computers, by, by software, right? They're like, That's his department. Or is the, are you the, are you, pulling off 6,000 letters? <laughs> yeah. this less. is the wizard. Are you like a He's DJ the in like a club? Gonna, you know. How does it work, Chris? So basically, it, it's just a matter of part of our, our load forecasting is we're able to see what the load is going to be like within the next hour, the next two hours ahead. So we're able to say... We're seeing we can we see forecasting, so we get the wind forecasting, and say if the wind is kind of dropping off and scheduled to drop off, and then it's you know it's four o'clock in the afternoon and you know PV is is kind of dropping off, and you see the load increasing and you know it's time for us to say well it takes this long to bring this generator on, we start this generator up and we try to meet that that peak load. Um, ideally, we would. If we had this ability for customers to mitigate their, their peak usage through their car battery or their home battery or through an aggregator, then basically we would know that, hey, we don't need to start this generator. We don't have to, we don't have to burn the fuel to start it up or to keep it running and shut it down. We can, just, we can just go through the peak because we know that our customers are going to be out there. They're going to have power, and it may not be through us, maybe through the aggregator or through their other battery systems, but they'll still keep their power we still have a reliable system so people can continue living their their lives without even knowing the effect and our current mechanism for trying to incentivize that is time of use rates right so we do see that so it's behavioral changes rather than based on well i'm going to be able to buy energy cheaper at this time i'm going to get charged more at, at a at another time or you know do you, do Electric you find vehicles, that, it's better for me to charge during this yeah. time. Do you not? find that people um, <clears throat> are able to navigate time of use effectively? I mean, what's your experience? Is that helping you from a system perspective? Are you seeing any noticeable uh, reductions in duck curve, for example, in peaks? I can tell you from a from a electric vehicle standpoint with our with our time of use rates, it does have an effect. A, a pretty direct correlation. It's, it's a significant draw, though. <clears throat> yeah. the, the electric vehicle is going to be one of the largest draws in your house now. Yeah, and I'm getting lots of lots of comments <laughs> about that and questions. Like, yeah. what do I do now? I bought a Tesla or I bought yeah. a new electric vehicle, and I saw my yeah. my you know my um, my bill go through the roof. You yeah. know, 
And What's so today? now we have different, you know, so now I think the plan in the future is looking at those time of use rates and trying to do that. I'm also getting, um, and this was kind of one of the, one of the, the reasons that we moved forward with NEM plus was because people were, and it was specifically to address like EVs, you know, coming on board. I have an EV now. I don't have enough NEM system. I want to add to my system now, but what I'm getting is I'm getting comments from customers who say, I don't have enough roof space. Now what Mm -hmm. do I do? Right. I don't know if you, you know, you're an installer, you know, are they coming to you with those same? I think, yeah, I think that NEM, Plus <clears throat> is still very early. Yeah, I don't know right. how many pro- systems we you don't process. Have, I'm going to say yeah. less than a very a few. dozen. Yeah. Does that sound about right? Yeah, very few because you so, can't export. Right. Yeah. So with NEM Plus, I think that you have a couple of different concerns, and I would say let's just do a NEM Plus show because that's fascinating. Okay. Okay. Just, later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah like later. Or either right now if you want to this one. But the um yeah no NEM Plus is its own amazing animal, yeah. and I think there's some great solutions out there. But you have mechanical problems, you have electrical system capacity problems, you have a uh, whole series of issues. I think that we could, we all should be doing Lumos uh, awnings around our houses. If you want my personal opinion, but um, you know those bifacials. Like, oh, like Josh is on, in love with bifacials. Yeah, I'm, bifacial, if you're not aware. I'm having an uh, affair, <laughs> affair with bifacials. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll just cut that off. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so point is, um, what was my point? So the point is that um, you know NEM Plus is amazing. We should talk about that. But yeah. let's, if we can, I think we, we've got to we're kind of moving through the show pretty quickly here, and we really want to understand. We just talked about some of the impacts from your perspective of like a sixty megawatt, two hundred and forty megawatt hour battery, correct? Yes. Four uh, X of the PV size uh, system that's going to be deployed. That's huge, and about some of the impacts that that could have, right? So that's quite big now but the really kind of um, um, almost uh, i'm getting a little too superlative here but unfathomable kind of thing that's happening now is we have what is the next size this rfp that's about to be uh, the final draft is due to be out from your your folks offices i think on july 10th which is only you know a couple weeks away and how big is that statewide i tried to do my math this morning based on your annual energy uh, requirements. It was something like a million megawatt hours. I don't know. Uh, I don't was know. that? Am, yeah, I, am the, I totally the, 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 the numbers? The numbers are too big. So, but <laughs> yeah. let's just talk about this. What's what type of PV plus batteries are going to be installed? Are going to be a bit bidding request, well, on, requested? Requested? Yeah, request. under request. Honestly, Josh, my a little bit more of my concern is where are we going to put them? No, no, that's that's totally the concern because yeah. solar panels take up a lot of space, and you know, for the amount of energy that they deliver. So while it's awesome that we're pulling energy from the sun, they do, the, as we get into these bigger systems, yeah. you're, they're going to be big. I mean, so so you're talking taking up a lot of land space, right? And so that where does that go? Let's contextualize that right okay. now. So uh, six. Let's let's talk about the AES sixty megawatt system with two hundred forty megawatt hours of storage, right? So that's due to be somewhere here in Kahului over by the the. It's going to be. It's supposed to be. Um, off of uh, Lani Highway. Okay, over yeah. in that area. So um, that system right there is, uh, I want to say that I did the math on that and it was like a quarter million panels. Does that sound about right to you? Yes. Yeah, yes. Right? that's correct. Okay, I was just sticking up there in my head somewhere. So um, now if we, what's the next stage of size, right? Uh, so is it 135 megawatts in this RFP2, phase two? Did I, did I do the math incorrectly when I... Well, it, 150 it, megawatts. I think we'll have to wait until the RFP actually comes out, but it's it's something bigger for sure. Okay, let's say two times the size. But but so that project, the AES project, is is um, that that one in central Maui is 500 acres. Is that what it, what it was? Something like 500 yeah. acres. 500 yeah. acres. Okay. Now, this is, okay, so let's say it's two times that size, right, the, the next RFP, just okay. as a guessing point. Josh said that, okay? <laughs> so, guessed it. So, if it's, we're talking about 1,500 acres. Does that sound right? Of required space? Or 1,000 acres or so. Yeah. yeah, something like that. 1,000 plus acres. So, no, no, nothing to sneeze at, right? A good, good chunk of land. So, are, are you saying that your concern is that we're going to start to see solar panels or they're going to be around us or people are going to be concerned about having that many around us or what, what is your, what's the concern? Well, so, so land my, control, my concern, cost of land, my concern of land? is that even though there was community outreach done for Kuya, for example, that's below the L in yeah. Lina, 
very visible in Lahaina. I think that people didn't really have a good visual of what that was going to be like from a planning perspective sure, yeah. until it got installed. And yeah. everybody's like, whoa. Right. So so now... It changes the landscape. It changes the <laughs> landscape. So, and, and we saw a change to the landscape with the wind farms, so, right? It's a, it's, so it's a public response and perception concern, potentially? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, because if we're looking mm-hmm. at trying to install these projects very quickly then you have to really make sure that the community is engaged and that they are informed because the last thing you want to do is have a project that, you know, that everybody objects to and then it's not going to move. Your your goal is not met for a quick installation. Then at that point it drags the process. Sure. Okay. Uh, I hear that. So yeah. I, I'm, I, what I I'm, think I'm hearing is <clears throat> we've got somewhere in the order of about three-quarters of a million to a million panels going in. Does that sound about right? Sometimes probably yeah. potentially along over the over like a thousand plus acres of land, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. So that's okay. So one of the concerns right now. Okay. Well, then you, you and that, that doesn't necessarily. Let me put it this way. I don't know necessarily the real particulars. Sure. It's most likely that maybe that doesn't have to all be in one location. Sure. Right. So we could maybe learn from some of our experiences with the with the communication to the like public. these last two RFPs. You know, yeah. we have two locations. Right. And they have very different, you know, requirements. Let's talk about two. Let's talk about two things. Jay, jump in on any more, but I got like a thousand questions here. So mm-hmm. wh- when you look at that, let's say there's a million panels. That's like the way it sounds. So okay. a million pan- panels, a thousand acres. Um, what does that do for us in terms of our renewable energy renewable energy capabilities? Where are we at that point? Once that's installed. What does that do for us in terms of where we're at as a with our 100% renewable energy mandate for Maui? In whatever way you want to describe it. <laughs> Roughly it would be a, a, a sizable chunk going towards the renewable goal. Um, it's kind of hard to say in the future where where our, our customer loads are going to be going. You know, will, will the population increase? Will we use more electricity? Will the population and if, increase if and we'll still use less? Here, we do use more electricity <laughs> and we're taking entire like, network yeah, exactly. of, of well, chemical and, energy and changing it to electrical. Well, so in that, you know, there's a lot of um, goals even within the electrification of transportation sector, which, which is, you know, we're supposed to be looking at by 2030, we're supposed to have about 30% electric vehicles. Maui's already at... Maui Island itself is already at for the residential population, not the tourist population. Of course, that's about a quarter of our daily population, right? Mm-hmm. Is tourism, but um, but we're already at something like eight percent, close to eight percent of mm-hmm. our our EV owners of mm-hmm. the driving population. Okay, so yeah. we've got some major shifts coming in. We're unfortunately we're running towards the tail end of the show. So what we're going to do <clears> is we're going to have to cap this off, and then perhaps we can do electric vehicle show, we do a NEM Plus show, you name the content areas, we're excited to do it. Uh, but hey, folks, um, uh, this, uh, well, why don't we do this? Any last messages within 30 seconds that you'd like to say to the, the, the uh, listeners? No, yeah. it's, it's going to be an exciting time. Yeah. I mean, I it's, it's great to see this much progress moving so fastly. How many times have we heard that? It's going to be an exciting time. It's exciting. Time. It's it's exciting, exciting. And we have a forum and that's I, happening on the 26th. That. Yeah, and that I mean. is, uh, where is that? Cameron Center from, I think, 5.30, poo-poo, 6 to 7.30-ish discussion, opportunities for collaboration and questions to come in from the community. One of the things we heard in this show that was really critical is that we have uh, all these solar panels going in, and how do we communicate the, the merits of that to the community and help this kind of be done expeditiously and a new concept time shifted energy which time. is where where yeah. we're going that's that's exciting beautiful there you go folks this has been the solar coaster we're sponsored by lg chem sundrum solar and pandek design have a fantastic weekend get some sun